You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M, and today our focus is going to be on the one crucial point of any young quarterback success in college football, the NFL really doesn't matter in today's game. And that is the offensive line, specifically the left tackle position. Now, for all of you guys watching on WFAA Antigna, I am back and I'm so excited to be here. Thank you guys for being patient with me. I'll let you know what's been going on uh, in just a quick moment. But before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. Name right down there below for those of you watching. Uh, I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout out. I will add it into the repertoire. Promise word. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th May related content found here on LOP. You can always subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify. If you can't do any of that, if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at lockedonpodcast.com. So the main point of the conversation today is let's talk about AM football. Everyone says that they're probably going to have the potential to be an SEC West powerhouse. And they probably have the skills and the players to compete with Alabama next season. I actually agree with that. I have no doubt in my mind that going into this year, AM's roster is built for them to be successful in 2021. I have no doubt about that. Where I wonder, the question is, is can they make that next leap with losing five offensive linemen? You look at Alabama, and you look at one of the best things that they've had, and you look at the thing that A&M had. And the reason they were the top two teams in the SEC last season, especially in the SEC West, and I'll throw Georgia in there as well because they deserve it. They were the three best offensive lines in the SEC. Two of them were the were top five offensive lines in all of FBS history. They were that good. They were that talented. They had that much potential to be great. Alabama is losing multiple players on the offensive line. Alex Leatherwood, uh, Deontay Brown. They're losing Landon Dickerson. I think that's it. I think they're only losing three. A&M is losing four. I think Georgia's losing four as well. But for A&M, they also are going to have to replace Kellen Mond's production. Now, don't get me wrong. They also have to replace, uh, you know, they all thought that Georgia was going to have Jamie Newman this year. They were going to have to replace his production because he would have been a graduate transfer who would have had to go. You're losing Mac Jones at Alabama. So it's not like A&M's in their own boat. And this is the biggest thing. I think that even though I am in the camp of Haynes King going into the season, and I think Eli Sowers has a little bit more upside, Zach Calzada can work, especially with Daryl Dickey. Dickey being a part of this system and learning with QBs along the time over the past, what what are we at now? Uh, four years, three years. So Kazawa's been there for two years. You have King there for a year. You don't have that at Alabama anymore because now it's Bill O'Brien coming in from the Houston Texans with Steve Sarkeesian going to the University of Texas. So you have that. But the best trait to have for a young quarterback, and I've said this to scouts, I've said this to people, I've said this to multiple names across the business, 
it's not the weapons. You see really crappy weapons become superstars on their roster because of a great quarterback. It's the five men up front, your offensive line. That is what makes a great unit overall. Let's look at last year in the NFL postseason. There were 14 teams in it. Of those 14 teams, nine of them ranked in the top 10 of fewest sacks allowed. Only one team, the Las Vegas Raiders, did not go to the playoffs, and they allowed, they were number 10 on that fewest sacks. So the top nine teams all made the postseason. They all also allowed less than 26 sacks on the year, three of which I think allowed less than 20. A&M's offensive line was fantastic last season with Kellen Mond. They allowed four total sacks. I think it was two in the first game, two the rest of you know, the regular season. They contained Alabama's Christian Barmore. They contained uh, you know Dylan Moses. You look at what they did with Florida. You look at what they did against Tennessee. You look at what they did against Mississippi State, a great defensive-minded school, or at least was under the Dan Mullen era. And you look at all that, and you also realize you're replacing not just the quarterback, but you're replacing the men who were blocking up front. Haynes King and Zach Alzada, for that matter, both have played less than, I would say, 20 minutes of football. If you go pound for pound, Calzada was number three on the depth chart. King was number two. But the year before, Calzada was number two on the depth chart behind Cal Mott. So he'd come in in 2019, he played a couple games. I, gar- I, I think the two combined have played about eight minutes of football. Eight or nine. There was one game where Calzada played an entire quarter, but I mean actual snap for snap, clock starts running, eight minutes or fewer. It's pretty much like you're a young quarterback. You're a new quarterback. So you need a good offensive line. The good news is that you need a great left tackle. And AM may have that. Everyone says it's Chris Morris. Maybe it's Ruben Fathery. Maybe you move out um, this, uh, Zahn. I, I forget his first name. I know it's not Greg. I just always think of the Toronto Blue Jays catcher. Uh, Trazon. Yeah, Trazon. Maybe you move him out. Or, big or, you have the left tackle already on campus, and he is the one member returning from the offensive line last season. You're going to have to replace him because he's an All-American at the guard position. But what if he can be an All-American at the left tackle position? That's right. According to everyone that we've spoken to, everyone that I've heard, everything that I've heard about the team, Texas A&M is seriously considering, more than likely, starting the year out with Kenyon Green as the left tackle. Now, why is this such an important thing to say? One, I called this months ago. I've been saying this for a while. Move Kenyon Green out. Push him out. He's natural. He's fluid. He's great on the interior. But this was always a move I think a lot of people undermined. But if you really think about it, it was always in motion. Last season, in his first year, coming out of Atascita High School, where he played left tackle for the Eagles for Two years, I think he played right tackle his first year as a sophomore. He became an all-star. And he was so good for AM in fall camp that they had to play him. The only spot open was the right guard position because of Colton Prater was taking over for Eric McCoy, and that left a spot open. Uh, Ryan McCollum as well was injured. 
So they had to find a way to get him to play. So they had a spot. He filled it. The next year, Jared Hawker, who had been a starter at the left guard position, switched to the right guard position, and the green mile was no more. Instead, you had green next to Dan Moore. It's important to know that because of when you look at the left tackle role, most quarterbacks are right-handed. So it is their vulnerable side. When they're throwing, it's the vulnerability of taking on the full hit. For a left-handed quarterback, the right tackle actually more so is the left tackle, and so on and so forth. You get get my point. Long story short, they did that, I think, on purpose to see if Green could handle going up against the number one edge rusher. Because nine times out of ten, the number one edge rusher on your team or your best pass rusher will be going up against the left tackle consistently. Sometimes there's sets where you don't have it. Sometimes it depends on the defensive front. If you're running a dime formation, sometimes you'll have, you know, your nickel defender be the blitzer and that's who you pick up over the defensive end. And that's where the guard comes and picks him up. But nine times out of 10, your best edge rusher is coming off of your left tackle. What I've started to notice is your bull rusher, which is basically either a nose tackle or one tech or three tech that lines up as a pass rushing specialist up the middle in the interior, they nine times out of 10 are lined up on the left guard's inside shoulder or head on the guard. So basically, Kenyon Green last season was already getting reps, taking shots at going against the best bull rusher on an SEC team. I think he allowed four pressures. I don't think he allowed a sack. I'm like 98% sure he did not allow a sack. It's four or five pressures on the year. He was phenomenal. I think also he started to get a hands-on approach for when they had a clear running lanes. Okay. The center will block down on the left side. He will go get the guard. Uh, he will go get the nose tackle or the defense tackle. And then the guard. So green and Dan Moore would double team to open the running lane for Anaya Smith, Isaiah Spiller, Devon H or Devon A. Chain against the number one edge rusher. So he started seeing reps against the top player on the defensive line. All this meant personally to what I've watched on film is they were prepping him to be the next guy to take over as the top tier run uh, left tackle. And this is a move that when you think of the history of Texas A&M, is not uncommon. In fact, it's very common. And we're going to be breaking all that down in a little bit, talking about how the transition of the left tackle role usually goes to just your best blocker. And entering 2021, yeah, the best blocker on the team is Kenyon Green. One thing that I love to do is drive my car. I really do. I, there's just something about getting out of the house and being able to go outside. And even though we are still in a quarantine style of life, just to be able to move around is really great. But my car is a little older, which means I have to bring it into the shop and not just the average mechanic shop. I have to bring it into the dealership. The dealer will tell me that there's something wrong with the car. He's got to order the part. The part has to come in. Then it has to be installed. Then I have to pay a service fee for something that I could have done if I just had the resources to get the part without going on to something like eBay where I don't trust that the part is going to be there unless I bid a super high price. That's why I recommend you always go to rockauto.com. 
RockAuto.com is an online auto parts service system that has been serving customers for the past 25 years. They have a variety of selections from air part controls to engine modules to tail lights to tail lamps to brand new carpeting even. Any single thing that you want can be found on rockauto.com. Just go to their very unique catalog, type in your car, the brand, the specification, and best of all, the price. With low, low prices, you will never overpay for a part that you can get installed on yourself for your daily driver or refurbishing a cult classic. Make sure that you visit rockauto.com and type in locked on on the how to hear about section so they know that we sent you amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the auto parts you will ever need, rockauto.com is the place to be. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson, I'm back in action talking all things Texas A&M, but there's more sports going on than just Aggie football, Aggie basketball, which absolutely isn't going on. And there's so much news going on in the sporting realm, you just need about a 25-minute period to listen to get caught up. Why not do so with Locked On Today with Peter Bukowski? Peter breaks down the top storylines in all four major sporting categories, including college football and college basketball. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast listening systems. All right, so I mentioned this just uh, right before the break, or for you guys watching here on WFAA, right before I did the ads. Kenyon Green moving to left tackle actually is a move that I think a lot of people would expect. And here's why. If you look at the history, maybe not under, uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher because of brand new coaching staff, you know, never really had to worry about that position just yet. But you look at the history of the left tackle role in A&M since, I want to say 2011, yeah, 11, I think it was. Every single player who has played the left tackle role before Dan Moore always played a different position. So think about this. When Luke Jokel came in, he actually started at right tackle. I think when he really came in, uh, back when it was the Mike Sherman era, if I'm still not mistaken, I think he was actually a right guard. Then he moved to right tackle, and then he took over in 2012 at left tackle. In 2012, breakout year for AM, they joined the SEC, Johnny Manziel lights it up. Luke Jokel becomes a superstar. He becomes the number two overall pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, again, NFL career aside, we can't really go that far, but he was an all-pro, all-SEC. He was the top left tackle in the, in the draft class. And on top of all that, he was the best player on AM's roster that season, not named Johnny Manziel, who won the Heisman. On the right side of that offensive line was Jake Matthews. Matthews came in as part of the Matthews family, the historic Matthews family, but Bruce Matthews, Clay Matthews, cousin, comes in, and he's the right tackle. He starts to learn what it means about blocking in the SEC. He sees the pressure. He sees pass rushers. He watches players who are developed, and they turn into quality superstars over time. Next season, takes over at the left tackle position, does a fantastic job. Actually, probably does a better job at left tackle that season than Luke Jokel did his season. He then goes on to become the sixth overall pick in the 2014 class with the Atlanta Falcons. Different story for him. Got a five-year, $70 million extension. Still the uh, Falcons left tackle. Pretty average quality left tackle that you could want in the NFL. That season, 
in 2012, uh, Cedric Obwehi was playing left guard. Luke Jokel goes to the NFL. Jake Matthews goes to the left. You swing Obwehi to the right. Obwehi does a really good job. He starts making pressures. He's an all-SEC player as a right tackle. Next season, he goes to the left tackle role. And unfortunately, he tears his ACL. I think it was midseason. And it basically sidelined him for the re- it sidelined him for the rest of the year. He still, though, because of all the success that he had at all three positions in a limited time, was the 21st overall pick by the Cincinnati Bengals in the 2015 draft. Then Jermaine Fetty started out at right guard. He moved to right tackle the year that Abwehi moved to left tackle. The year after that, he moved to left tackle, and he had a pretty successful season. Nothing to be super proud about, but it was a really down year for AM. Of the offensive lineman, he definitely was the strongest. He ends up being the final pick of the first round in the 2000 and, uh, let's see, I think it was the 2016 draft. He becomes, yeah, it was 2016 draft because it was the year that uh, New England didn't have a pick. And he was the number 31 pick. I remember that. It was really weird. But he goes to Seattle. Seattle uses him as a right tackle. They use him as a right guard. They use him as a left guard. Pretty, you know, average player overall. Now he's in Chicago playing uh, guard for them. My point is, I try to dissect the two sides. Because everyone always asks me, who are the four Who's your Mount Rushmore of AM players? And I always say it's Staten Wing, it's Von Miller, Johnny Manziel, and Mike Evans. And I include Mike Evans in there biasly because of what he's done for Tampa Bay. And he's the only receiver in NFL history to have seven 1,000-yard seasons to begin his NFL career. Nobody has even come close to doing that besides one other player. And some consider him to be the greatest wide receiver of all time in Randy Moss, who came in at six. So I kind of get a little biased with a guy like uh, Mike Evans. But to say that Jermaine Fetty, Luke Jokel, Jake Matthews, and Cedric Wakey all were not successful as starting tackles for Texas A&M at some point, both playing the left and right tackle, and also some of them playing guard, would be asinine. Because if all of them did have successful seasons when playing the blindside protector, because all four of them were first round picks. All four of them were viewed as franchise changing offensive linemen. Green is just the next step of that. That's not to say that Green is going to be sitting on the sidelines and, you know, not going to have a great NFL career. We don't know that. Maybe NFL teams view him better as a guard prospect. But in a pinch with a new quarterback, Sometimes you have to put down what really matters, what really is the problem, and just get your best blockers out there. And that's what Jimbo Fisher's doing. It doesn't matter that Green is an All-American at the left guard role. What matters is he's the best blocker to get King, Calzada, or even Stauer a shot of being completely successful and building a future at the most important position in the realm of football today, early on. 
he's going to go up against, think about this, Alabama, Auburn, uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, a team on the rise, Arkansas, the best defense in the SEC, statistically. That's just five teams he's going up against next year. You need the best blindside protector in a brand new unit. So I personally think that going into next season, yeah, the best move for AM right now is to play green at left tackle. And I think he'll be fine. History shows it can be done, and it can be done gracefully and on your terms. As college basketball season comes to an end, the NCAA tournament, both men and women, are starting up. And that means that bets will be at an all-time high. So the one place we love and the one place we trust is betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag has a variety of bets with the best buyouts, the best lines, and the best tells for you to earn some extra cash today. And if you follow them on social media, they give you up-to-date information of line changes, wagers, any type of thing you want. Go follow them on social media at BetOnline underscore AG. And stop sitting on the sidelines because you're going to want to get in on this. Go visit BetOnline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save 50% off as a welcome bonus with your very first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, the NFL draft is going to be right around the corner. But that sad news is there's no NFL combine. So instead, why not listen to where you can find all the news on the best SEC prospects out there? Because in the SEC, it just means more. Go listen to Locked on SEC with Chris Gordy as he breaks down all highlight information of SEC basketball and, of course, SEC draft prospects heading into the 2021 NFL Draft. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast listening systems. All right, so let's just break this down real fast. If if we're going to do this exercise, basically, who is going to be the offensive line for Texas A&M next season? It's a little too soon. But I think that I have it to a T of what I would personally do going into next year. So the left tackle role immediately goes to Kenyon Green. I think everyone knows that. All-American, all you know, all-American left guard. He's been playing the left side. He knows the left side. He knows those type of defenders. Go ahead and get him. Go ahead and put him down. Let him do the work consistently as your blind side protector. Left guard, surprise, I believe if he is successful, Kenyon Green will be a top 10 pick next year. And I do believe he is a better fit as a tackle than he is a guard. But there is a tackle prospect who has to start playing, and I think would make a ton of sense here, as Green's replacement. Chris Morris, who took snaps at right guard, I mean, right tackle and left tackle last season and was Dan Moore's backup. I think it's a better fit for him to be on the inside. He's a little smaller than Ruben Fathery. He's a little stockier. He's a little bit more built. That will allow you, if he's as good as a run blocker as I think that he is, allows you to create a one-two combination wall that gives Keane ample protection on the left side. But more than that, it also gives you a great shot of running the ball to the left and being very successful because of 
Everyone knows what Anaya Smith can do, what Isaiah Spiller can do, what Devon Achan can do in open space. I think all three would be great fits in that area, for sure. The center position. Right now, I will say it is going to be Luke Matthews, the younger brother. I mean, the, yeah, the brother of the Matthews brothers. I mean, everyone knows him. He's been the, he's been the team for, I think this is his third season. He was a redshirt sophomore last year. He's been a he's a natural center. He knows the position. He has high instincts. He has a high IQ. I think that that's where he's best suited. And I believe that that's probably when you look at it, the oldest player probably needs to be the smartest player. Smartest player needs to probably be the center, in my opinion. The quickest player needs to be the left tackle. The smartest needs to be the center because they have that one combination with the quarterback. They have to be a pretty much sound mind. Their brains have to be interlocked like you're in a, you know, a, a, chas- a chasm of, you know, a, a brain molecular, you know, genes. I don't know how to say it. You, you know what I'm saying? You're switching brains. Your, your brains are one and one. Matthews, I think, is the closest because he's been working with both Calzada and King. And you don't have to play another player there just to play another player there. I think it makes a lot of sense going into the year. Right guard. That's an easy one. It's Bryce Foster. Unless Jimbo Fisher does not want to play a guy so young because of he just doesn't want to play freshman. Now, I'm not saying that Jimbo Fisher doesn't like to play freshman because of we saw what Anaya Smith and Jalen Weidemeyer did their freshman year. We saw what Antonio Johnson and Jalen Jones did last year. But let's think about this. We're still waiting to see if Damon Demas is going to live up to his potential. And he was a five-star wide receiver. Now, will he be redshirted? Maybe. And if that's the case, yeah, Foster 100% is not playing. But I don't think when you look at the type of talent you have at that guard position, you cannot afford to allow a guy like Foster to miss a a season. Now, if he gets injured in week one, yeah, redshirt him. I mean, I would, especially if you know that he's going to be gone for like seven weeks. Yeah, redshirt him. Just just redshirt him the rest of the year. You'll figure it out. But until then, I think Foster is going to get the guard role. The right tackle position. That's going to go between Ruben Fathery, and this is the battle. This 100% is a battle that I think is going to happen in, in, in spring camp. Ruben Fathery, who is more so a natural right tackle. I think he's better as a run blocker than Morris. I think he's better uh, with footwork in the ground game. And I think that with AM trusting that they have three rushers who can all break the plane at any given moment, you need to have that guy. Or Jameer Johnson, the transfer from Tennessee. He's had played in 11 or 12 games as a starter for the Vols at right guard and left tackle, five games at left tackle. So he already knows SEC speed. Fathery still is a guy who is probably a year of developing, a year of figuring things out, where Johnson already knows what it takes to block these SEC players, to block nickel defenders to watch these linebackers step up and basically now be playing like safeties. They're faster, they're stronger, they move quicker, they're more agile. You got to block them. So I think that possibly because of Johnson's experience in the SEC, he's the starting guy. So right now I'm going to go with Kenyon Green at left tackle, Chris Morris at left guard, Luke Matthews at center, Bryce Foster, for now, that may change. I may go Josh Bankhead by the end of the year at right guard. And I'm going to go Jameer Johnson at right tackle. 
That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow's show, three ways the Aggies will win the SEC. I do believe that there are three keys to get A&M over that hump and into the conversation as a college football playoff contender. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, forgive me all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.